This is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, I read the Christmas story in a way that I've never read it before. There in Luke 1, this last week when I was preparing for this podcast. And what I found was three characters in the Christmas story that represent three levels of Christians. First, there was Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, who was a priest. He was blameless. He was well put together. He had uh, basically fulfilled all the commands, followed all the commandments that, that God had given him. But down deep inside, he wasn't everything that he seemed to be. He was a fearful person. He had a tough time believing God when the angel was trying to give him the good news of the birth of his son. But fortunately, towards the end of Luke 1, we see that Zechariah or Zechariah-type Christians, they can make a turn. They can turn the corner and get closer to God. What Zechariah was missing was actually relationship with Jesus. Then there's Elizabeth-type Christians. Now, Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist, and she, she shows us everything that a Christian should be. She lived in the experience of the freedom from her disgrace, from the freedom of her shame, the the freedom from her stigma. Uh, And this produced incredible joy in her. She lived in God's mercy. And so in this podcast, we're going to be covering these first two levels of Christians. And the next week, we'll look at the Mary level of Christian, which is just phenomenal. I can't wait to share that with you. But listen in. And be blessed, and I hope that you have a Merry Christmas. Here in just a minute, but starting from the top in Luke 1. Many have undertaken to compose an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by the initial, by initial eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Look at this. Luke, this guy Luke, went out and spoke to people who had talked to Jesus directly. Can you imagine? He went to eyewitnesses, to servants of the word, in other words, servants of Jesus, disciples of Jesus, and spoke to them directly many, many years, possibly decades after Jesus uh, was gone, and he compiled the book of Luke. And look at it. He was very... Uh, he, was, he was said to be a physician. The Bible indicates that he was a physician. He was a doctor. He was a smart guy. He was very detailed. Do you notice that doctors tend to be very detailed? He was a very detailed person. He goes on in verse 3 and says, Therefore, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also for me to write an orderly account to you, most excellent Theophilus. Also, That means there was other people who had gone out and basically done the same thing. Some of them personal eyewitnesses like Matthew, like John. And and then Mark was similar to Luke in that he followed after Peter and got Peter's account of what was going on, what happened with Jesus. And so Mark was kind of like a Luke, a secondhand person that got the direct word. And that's how, by the way, that's how the New Testament is put together. It's based on. Uh, on writings from people who had first-hand witness of Jesus. Now, the Apostle Paul had a vision of Jesus, all right, and so that, but he was considered an apostle. These people were first-hand eyewitnesses, and that's how we determine what what makes up the New Testament. 
We're not going to have somebody hundreds of years later writing something to be included in the New Testament. It's set. It's standing. There's, there's no adding to it or taking away from it. So he writes this orderly account in verse 4. He says, so that you may know with certainty the things that you have been taught. Praise God that you and I, we're in the same boat as Theophilus. We can know with certainty the things that we've been taught because we have the Bible for ourselves. We are encouraged for ourselves to go read the Bible and learn for ourselves, have the Holy Spirit through the Bible speak to us directly. Thank God you don't need me or a priest or a, or a bishop or anything. You can go straight to God and learn directly from him. The fact, in fact, the Bible says that you need no man to teach you. The Holy Spirit's going to teach you all things as long as it conforms to the Bible, the Word of God. So verse 5, in the time of Herod, here goes this Christmas story. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Remember Zechariah. We're talking about three levels of Christians. Here's the first level. We're going to get to it in a second. Who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah and whose wife Elizabeth was a daughter of Aaron. Who was Aaron? He was the brother of Moses. Through him, all the priests were to come, and she was part of that part of that lineage, if you will, as was her husband Zechariah. Both of them were righteous in the sight of the Lord, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and decrees of the Lord. We're going to come back to that one in just a second as well. But they had no children because uh, Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. What does it mean to be well along in years? What's another word, Nada? Old. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Nada. They were old, all right? One day, while Zechariah's division, what division? Like division football? No. Division, priestly division. They were, they were broken into divisions. His division was selected on duty to serve as priest before God. He was chosen by lot. That was a mechanism that they had uh, for for choosing uh, who was to serve in the priesthood at that point or time of the year, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the temple of God and burn incense. The temple of God, magnificent, huge temple in Jerusalem that had been recently refurbished and almost rebuilt by King Herod or under King Herod's direction, the, the crown jewel of the Jews. And here, Zechariah the priest was the priest chosen to go in and burn incense at the temple. Now, I can't imagine the temple. You talk about high, high ceilings. You walk in, and the priest could only go into that portion of the temple. He went in by himself. There's no crowd around him. He went in, and they would, they would tie. It's custom, customary for them to tie a rope around the ankle of the priest and leave one end of this long rope at the end outside with somebody holding the rope probably and as he walked in in case that priest had done something wrong and was struck dead by god in the temple they could drag him out without having to go in pretty pretty morbid if you think about it but these jews rightly so they took very seriously the priesthood and what was to go on in the temple and so uh, he walks into the temple. He's chosen to do so, to burn incense. And then in verse 10, And at the hour of the incense offering, the whole congregation was praying outside. The whole congregation. This was the Jewish 
people under Roman rule had all congregated probably thousands of people outside the temple and this one man Zechariah is walking into the awesome temple into the awesome presence of the Lord after four years of not really 400 years of not really hearing anything from God herein walks in Zechariah Un- unbelievable standing uh, so so there he walks in verse 11 and then an angel of the Lord appears to Zechariah standing at the right hand Uh, right side of the altar of incense when Zechariah saw him he was startled and gripped with fear as would I as would you (laughs) can you imagine and I'm sure in a big temple there was a big angel (laughs) probably massive mammoth angel standing there in in the brilliance and the glory of God standing there and he begins to talk to, to, to Zechariah. In verse 13, the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been answered. How would you like to be praying for a long time? Not that part. I'm sure you would say, I don't like to have to pray for a long time. But how would you like to have prayed for a long time and have an angel show up and tell you, Your prayer has been answered? Your prayer has been heard? Wow. I'll never forget, I was having back problems. My leg was going numb on me. I couldn't walk for about more than 15 minutes without sitting down. And I'll never forget, after about a year of being this way, of walking and praying and the Holy Spirit telling me, I've heard your prayer, Steve. And from that point on, my back got better and better and better until it was completely healed. I want God to hear my prayers, don't you? (laughs) Why else would we be a Christian? Why else would we come to church? Why else would we read the Bible? Why else would we pray? We expect results. <laughs> we believe God hears us. All right, so uh, he says, your prayer has been heard. And then he goes on, he says, your wife, Elizabeth, the old one, <laughs> the elderly lady, she's going to bear you a son, and you will call him John. And this had to ring in Zechariah's ears like, father abraham that's what happened to him that's what happened to others where someone was barren and god opened the womb even in an elderly age and allowed some it had to resonate with him because it was some stories that he had heard of his ancient ancestor abraham and and others he said the angel said he will be a joy and a delight to you well yeah I've been wanting a son all my life, and now I'm finally going to have one. He's going to be a delight to me. And many will rejoice at his birth. Well, that would be enough for Zechariah, but the angel doesn't stop there. He says, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Nothing blesses me more than to know that my kids are serving the Lord. There is nothing in the world I would rather have than my kids to serve the Lord. Nothing. So that had to be all right. So that's great. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. It didn't stop there. He will never take wine or strong drink. Hey, I'm glad my kids don't drink alcohol. (laughs) But that wasn't the point. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's, uh, even in his mother's womb. Many of the sons of Israel will turn back to the Lord their God. He will go forth before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Now, this was prophetic. This is something that especially the priests understood that Elijah was coming before the Messiah. So this meant something to Zechariah. He was like, oh, my word, put two and two together. 
the spirit of Elijah, that means the Messiah after 400 long, quiet years of not hearing anything from God, the Messiah, he's coming because his predecessor is coming for my wife. That's just unbelievable to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Shocking vision, unbelievable promise, blown away. What What does Zechariah do? He does what you and I tend to do. We look at ourselves. Instead of looking to God who's making the promise, we just look at ourselves and he says, how can I be sure of this? How can I be sure that this angelic being, Gabriel, is telling me something? How can I be sure that this is going to happen? Zechariah asked the angel. I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. What? Why do we do that? Why do we look at ourselves when God is trying to promise us something? Everything God does is impossible for us. Every single thing. There's not a single thing that God does that we could do on our own. So why do we look at ourselves? Why do we stop and pause and think, how, God? That was his question, how. Isn't that our, always our question? How, God? Well, sometimes God doesn't want to tell us all the details. He wants us to trust in him. I am Gabriel, replied the angel in, in verse 19. I stand in the presence of God. And let me tell you what, I cannot wait till the beginning of the year. We're going to talk, be talking about angels and demons. And this statement right here is going to mean a lot more to us after we've gone through that study. Gabriel was saying, I'm in heaven, standing in the presence of God Almighty. Now I'm standing in front of you. I've been told this message. See, Gabriel was a messenger from God. I've been told this message to pass on to you, and I've been sent to speak it to you to bring you this good news. I'm trying to tell you good news. How many pessimists do we have in here? Always looking at the the glass is half empty. It's never going to work out. When God, I this you know, God doesn't want you to be this way. God is trying to give you good news. Receive His good news. Verse 20, and now you will be silent and unable to speak until the day this comes to pass because you did not believe my words. I'm, as, I, as I grow as a Christian, I get closer to God, I realize how insulting it is to God that we don't believe him. It's God Almighty. He can do anything. And if he says he's going to do something, he is going to do it because he says, uh, you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled at their proper time. We've got to, we're called, you know, what's another word for Christians? Believers, right? Believers. Are you really a believer? (laughs) Think about it. When God tells you something, do you believe God? Are you truly a believer? Well, we're going to be talking about a Zechariah-level Christian right now. A Christian who doesn't believe, basically. (laughs) A, A pessimistic Christian. A negative Christian. A Christian who has all the externals. They go to church. You see them in church maybe three times a week. Maybe less. But let's say somebody three times a week. They're blameless in the sight of God. They obey his commandments. They do what Zechariah did. But when God tells you something, you just don't believe him. Are you that kind of Christian? I know I am sometimes. 
This is not a this is not a condemning message. This is a looking inside and saying, God, I want to go to the next level. If I'm a Zechariah Christian, how can I go farther with God, closer to God? So we as Zechariah Christians, we do all the right things, but it's always about my external performance, what God can see. But really, when it comes down to it, it's what other people see in me. And I want to perform for you, and I want to show you the best side of Steve Norman. I'm a Zechariah Christian. I want to have all my ducks in a row, and I'm going to handle my problems, but you're never going to see what my problems are. That's a Zechariah Christian. It's somebody who might be old in the faith, but they're not strong in their faith. They may have been Christians for decades, but when it comes to really being a strong Christian and having the faith of a mighty warrior, you look at yourself and you say, I'm really not that person. I've been around Christianity for a long time, but I'm not really a strong Christian per se. You know, I'm a a Zechariah Christian. I get my prayers answered, but then I'm left scratching my head like, why why did God do that? (laughs) Have you ever done that before? God answers your prayer and you're like, thank you, God, but why did you do that? And if, it, if he doesn't answer, you ask him why. If he does answer, you ask him why. You know why? Because you're not really in relationship with God. You really don't, and I don't really fully understand the love of God. Why, God, why does God answer your prayers? Because he loves you. He loves you. That's the answer. But a Zechariah Christian never fully opens their hearts to the Lord because they're so performance-driven they can't just receive the love of God into their into their hearts, into their lives. Zechariah Christian, if I'm a Zechariah Christian, I'm fearful and I'm a worrywart. I worry about this. I worry about that. I'm fearful about this. I'm always thinking the worst case scenario. Hey, we're Zechariah Christians if we're living that way. Our biggest problem, our biggest trouble is we just don't have the relationship with Jesus that we should have. If we were with Jesus all the time, talking to Jesus and trying to stop, throw up this fake front, this veneer of who we want people to think we are, we'd start entering into a close, intimate relationship with God, and we'd let down our guard, and things would be so, so different. You know, there's this word called vulnerability. A Zechariah Christian is not a vulnerable person. But I want to get to the place where I'm vulnerable to God and I'm vulnerable to you as well. I I open up, I show you who I really am, and then you and I, we can make me a better person. (laughs) And we can make you a better person. As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. It's it's very, very important. So we tend to Zechariah Christians, we tend to believe that somehow church is the only magical potion that there is. We come to church, and this is our only our only fix from Jesus. You, I tell you, you need a lot more fix from Jesus than just church. You need your own personal plug into Jesus, hearing from him daily, talking to him daily. So it's all about performance versus relationship. And God reminded me of this in my personal devotions. He was showing me how I'm seeking performance still this week. And I said, Jesus, I just want relationship. Forget the performance. The per- you, you know what the deal is? Jesus already performed for you and me. He's already satisfied all the check marks. He's ticked all the boxes, and he just wants relationship with you and me. That's all he's looking for. That's all that's required. 
So how do we move to this next next level with Jesus? Get away from the Zechariah Christianity and on to the next level. It's relationship with him. So instead of focusing on merit of what I need to do, I need to start just walking with Jesus and talking to Jesus because he's already done everything for me. He's already done everything for me. The evidence of progress, check this out, that you're moving out of Zechariah-level Christianity, the evidence of progress is you start to believe God when he tells you something. You can know you're on the right track when he whispers something into your ear and you say, yes, Jesus, I know you can do it, and I believe you are going to do it. Here's another evidence. You start getting victory over fear and doubt. You start winning over those arch enemies arch rivals that you've had all your life and you stop fearing as much you stop doubting as much and then lastly you start entering into more peace and less worry more peace less worry man i want both of those (laughs) i want more peace and less worry i need to stop being a zachariah christian and enter into relationship with jesus well let's read on now let's see if i'm skipping quite yet i believe this is the first skip All right, so I'm jumping over here to verse 21, and we're going to come back and fill in some of these gaps. I'm sorry, I'm not skipping quite yet. I'll tell you whenever I do. We're we're still in verse 21 of Luke 1. Let me read on to you this Christmas story. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah. They were probably already starting to pick up the rope, pulling it a little bit, (laughs) make sure everything's all right, wondering why he took so long in the temple. When he came out, and was unable to speak to them, they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. You know, in Acts, it says, young men will begin to dream dreams and old men will see visions. And I believe we're in a day and age. You start you start seeking the Lord, he's going to start showing you things that you've never seen before. They realized he'd seen a vision. He kept making signs to them, but remained speechless. And when the days of his service were complete, he returned home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. We're going on to the next level of Christian, and it's an Elizabeth Christian. And let me tell you what, when you're an Elizabeth Christian, you're going to start giving birth to God's promises in your life so that you can see them, so that you can feel them, so that you can experience them. God wants his promises to come to life through you. You need to be an Elizabeth Christian. That just If God gives you a promise, you say, I'm planting the seed in my heart, and it's going to come true at its appointed time when God wants it to come to, come to pass. All right, so she became pregnant for five months, remained in seclusion, as was the custom at that time. She declared... Listen to this Elizabeth Christian. The Lord has done this for me. (laughs) How many of you has God done something for you? And you say, that was for me. God loves me. He did that for me. Praise God. Somewhat of a spiritual self-centeredness is okay. When you say, Jesus, you just did that for me. You did that as a almost a capricious just here i want to do something good for you today there's no there's no resounding purpose in all of this or cosmic whatever i just want you to have a good day and i wanted to bless you today amen i want to be an elizabeth christian that i'm just receiving from god and saying 
that was for me. She said, it's done it for In these days, he has shown me favor <laughs> and taken away my disgrace among the people. Praise God, Elizabeth Christian, that's going from a veneer to saying, hey, I have disgrace. I have shame. There's a stigma that God took away from me, and I'm not the same person that I used to be. I don't have to put up a false front. Praise God. God has taken away my disgrace. I imagine every single one of us has a very disgraceful thing that we've done or that's been done to us. God wants to take that disgrace away from you. He wants to take that disgrace away from you. It's not done yet, though. Um, I, here's where we start skipping around. I'm going to come back to Mary next Sunday. We're going to jump down and keep reading just about Elizabeth in verse 39. So I'm taking Luke 1, jump down to verse 39. In those days, Mary got ready. Okay, we're going to come back and talk about Mary, but Mary was a cousin of Elizabeth. She got ready because she had heard that her cousin was pregnant. This elderly cousin was pregnant. Shocking. It, news had spread all over the place, and so she ran off to, to, to go uh, see her cousin. She hurried to, to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered the home of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leaped or leapt in her womb, and, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens. When you start just receiving from God, you better watch out. He's going to go ahead and fill you with his Holy Spirit. He's going to fill you with his Holy Spirit. You're done with a veneer, with a, the, the trying to push, put up a shiny good face for everybody, and you're all about God. You know, take me with my imperfections. I don't care. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Why am I so favored? Now, get this. She's still asking why, and that's okay. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, uh, your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Praise God. Leaped for joy. Here's what happens with Elizabeth Christians. They start recognizing the Spirit of God moving over here and the Spirit of God moving over there and working in their own lives. They recognize the Holy Spirit of God is doing things in and around them. I want to be more of an Elizabeth Christian rather than a Zechariah, you know, relationless Christian. Verse 45, based, uh, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. You see right here, you know what? Elizabeth is becoming a believer. <laughs> she's believing God. Now, granted, she's starting to see some things that's helping her in her faith, but she's starting to believe God. She's not doubting anymore. We're going to jump down to verse 57 to continue on just with a couple more things about Elizabeth. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors, this is verse 58 now, her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. An Elizabeth Christian is a recipient of God's mercy. They just live. The disgrace is taken away, and all I think about is God's wonderful, tender, compassionate mercy in my life. He's been so merciful to me. There's so many things that should have happened to me that didn't, but I'm jumping ahead of myself. 
all right shown great mercy and they shared her joy an elizabeth christian is full of joy full of just overflowing joy because they've gotten their eyes off of themselves and they've gotten them their eyes onto their savior onto their redeemer onto their provider onto their source and you can't be help but be joyful when your eyes are on jesus she was so full of joy and look at this they shared her joy with you when you're joyful people around you are going to be joyful as well some negative naysayers uh, negative nancy's they're going to leave but you're going to be left with some joyful friends because they're just attracted to the joy that's in your life verse 59 on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they were going uh, to name him after his father zechariah listen to this here's the last point of a, an elizabeth christian but his mother spoke up and said no <laughs> he will be called or his name will be john and let me tell you what elizabeth christians finally develop a backbone and they begin to say no they begin to say no whenever they need to no to themselves and no to others that are infringing on the things that they know aren't right let me give you a couple of examples I'm, I'm jumping ahead here just a little bit but no to you know there's certain situations that just just drop them leave them alone say no i'm not going to focus on this situation anymore i'm going to let god resolve it i'm just going to get it out of my hair you say no i'm not going to focus on these things anymore i'm not going to focus on making a point to anybody or anything i'm going to let god take care of this i say no because i'm a i'm elizabeth type of christian no i'm going to stop being unpleasant some folks just they they're always unpleasant you know what when when you get jesus inside of you're in relationship with jesus you start being a more pleasant person it just happens you say no i'm going to stop driving my own agenda and i'm going to let god drive his own agenda i'm going to say i'm going to stop letting my feelings and my emotions drive my actions and i'm going to start letting god's joy drive my actions and i'm going to stop complaining and i'm going to start being thankful every morning i'm going to wake up and i'm just going to start being thankful praise god that's a lesson that i learned this year i i felt the lord tell me you need to stop complaining i thought well i didn't, I didn't think i complained that much then i started real as i started monitoring you need to watch yourself look at yourself monitor what your attitudes your thoughts are i began to realize i complain all the time and now i tell myself as soon as i see something come up i say i'm not going to complain and you know what that's done to me it's empowered me it's strengthened me and i don't get my 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 strength doesn't get drained throughout the day i'm i'm full of energy most of the day because i'm not complaining but you can say no as an elizabeth type of christian you can say no when you should say no so let's look at this just to to kind of summarize on elizabeth it's she she was living the experience of having her disgrace taken away she lived in the experience of having her disgrace taken away i want you to stop right now and think of what you're and don't think about it very long because it'll, it'll pull you down but what are you most ashamed of in your past man if we were to project that up on the screen right now you talk about extra shame all right i have my shameful thoughts things that i've done and you do too as well start living in the experience of your freedom from your past shame 
Live in the free experience. Re-experience it. Remember how Jesus redeemed you from that past. I, I think it was something Sarah said or something that I read. But when we look back at our past, all we should see is Jesus. That's all you see in your past. Look back. You don't even see your past. All you see is Jesus. And as certainly as you look forward, all you see is Jesus as well. But an Elizabeth Christian also learns to live in God's loving mercy. Oh, just his mercy. Praise God. And I, I looked up this word mercy, trying to understand it a little bit better. But that's God's loyalty to his own covenant. Listen to this. God's mercy is God's loyalty to his own covenant, the way he operates. In other words, he's acting on his own terms because of his compassion. He's saying, you know what? I'm going to make up my own rules here. We're going to do it my way. And my way is Jesus died for your sins, so you don't have to carry your shame anymore. All right? That's just the way I operate. He's loyal to his own covenant. And no matter how much you remember or fear or regret or whatnot, Jesus says it's covered. It's covered. These are the terms of my covenant. This is the way I operate, and I want you to start operating in conformity to my mercy. He says, I'm going to have mercy on whoever I feel like having mercy on. Amen? I'm going to have compassion on whoever I feel like having. I'm going to have compassion on. That's how God operates. And he did it through Jesus' son. Now, all the other deities of any other religion, their mercy is they change their rules. They say, here's my standard. You're going to be punished if you do this. But if I'm in a good mood, and I'm pretending to be a deity here, okay? If I'm in a good mood, I'll have mercy on you. I'll lower my standards to give you a break. God never did that. He never did that. He let his son Jesus be punished on our behalf. Praise God. An Elizabeth Christian, all right? Remember how Zechariah was performance-driven? You know what? He was always trying to hide his disgrace because they feel like they're going to be dis disapproved by others because of their failures. But let me tell you, when Elizabeth Christian says, I'm, my bets are all on Jesus, not on myself. My bets are on Jesus, not on myself. My security is not in what I do. My security is in what Jesus has done for me, what's been done for me. They can comfortably quote Romans 8 1 say, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's an Elizabeth Christian talking. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. They also could refer back to Joshua 4, excuse me, uh, 5, 9, where the Lord told Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. I have rolled back that, that horrible dread, that stigma. Have you ever had a stigma before? Where you, you think somebody thinks a certain way of you and you can't get away from that stigma? They may not even be thinking of you that way, but you think they're thinking that way, and that, that forces you to act a certain way. God rolls that stigma away from you so that you can just be who you are in Jesus. What a wonderful freedom that is. So you see, God defies the law of cause and effect. Remembering an Elizabeth Christian lives in his mercy. God defies the law of cause and effect in our lives because he loves you and he cares for you. What does that mean? Hey, if you've been drinking your whole life, what's the cause of effect? Well, you should have liver disease and die. But you know what? 
God defies the law of cause and effect and says, I know you've been an alcoholic your whole life, but because you've come to my mercy, I'm going to protect your liver and you don't, you don't have a single worry. Amen. You may have gone out and cheated on your wife a half a dozen times, but you came to my mercy. I'm going to save your marriage anyways. Amen. That's the kind of that's that's the mercy of God. And that's what Elizabeth was living in. She says, you've taken away my disgrace. You've been merciful to me. What an amazing God we serve. Praise God. So Elizabeth Christians, they're joyful. They believe God's word and his promises easily. They will talk and tell anybody about what God has done in their life. Oftentimes, they're tuned into the Holy Spirit. They know where the Spirit's moving. They're full of the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Spirit, filled with relationship with Jesus. They, you, you, talk, you talk to somebody like this, and they always have a Jesus story. Jesus did this for me. Jesus did that for me. Jesus did the other thing. Is that you? Are you an Elizabeth Christian? We should strive for that. <laughs> we should seek that. Get away from the false pretenses and start looking to Jesus and let him protect us and cleanse us. And then, of course, Elizabeth Christians have a backbone to say no. So here's a question. Here's where we'll end up today. Can a Zechariah Christian become an Elizabeth Christian? If you're saying, well, this Zechariah Christian, you just described me to a T, which I would say you've, I've described myself to a T in many cases. Can I become an Elizabeth Christian that's full of joy and, and, and full of mercy and full of favor and, and, and have all the peace in the world? The answer is yes. And let's see this metamorphosis, this change that Zechariah underwent after John was born. Check this out. Let's go back to verse 61 in Luke 1. They said to her, uh, after she said his name is, is to be John, uh, they said to her, there's no one among your relatives who bears this name. So they made signs to his father, that's Zechariah, to find out what he wanted to name the child. And Zechariah asked for a tablet and wrote, his name is John. <laughs> Here was the first step where Zechariah was changing. He said, you know what? I'm going to start cooperating with God. So how do I go from a Zechariah Christian to an Elizabeth Christian? I'm going to start cooperating with God. When God tells me to name my child John, I'm going to name him John. If he tells me to start uh, dieting a little bit more so that I don't have a heart attack 20 years from now, I'm going to start dieting. I'm going to start doing what God said. God's interested in every part of your life. If he's telling you, you know what, I want you to start being a little bit more careful what you watch on TV or what you watch on your phone, your tablet, your computer. I want you to be more judicious in saying, you know what? This is not godly. I'm going to turn it off. Cooperate with God. Do what God tells you to do. Some people call that obedience, and it is. Obey God. Just start doing what he tells you to do. You're going to see your relationship with God flourish so much when you cooperate with his spirit. If he tells you to pick up the phone, this happened to me this uh, this week. It's so wonderful. Actually, it happened last week. I was impressed to call somebody and just encourage them. And I didn't do it last week, but I did it this week. Better, better uh, late than never, right? Did it this week. And I got such a profuse just thank, thank you so much for calling me and this blessed me, this helped me. Just cooperate with God. Be in tune with what he wants you to do and do it right there on the right right there on the spot so here we see this change of, of Zechariah he started cooperating with God instead of doubting God 
You know why we don't cooperate with God? It's because we, we doubt him. We, we don't know that he really knows what's best for us, and so we doubt him. But he, he cooperated with him. Then he goes on. We're just going to follow through the rest of these verses, starting here in uh, verse 63. They were all amazed. Verse 64, immediately Zechariah's mouth was opened, his tongue was released, and he began to speak, praising God. Here's the next step. You can go from Zechariah to, to Elizabeth. You start praising the Lord. And there again, instead of doubting God, just start praising God. God, you're amazing. You're tremendous. You're phenomenal. You're, ama- you're awesome, God. I praise you for who you are. And spend time just praising God. You'll step out of that Zechariah mode and into that Elizabeth mode. Verse 65, all their neighbors were filled with awe and the people throughout the hill country of Judea were talking about these events. And all who heard this wondered in their hearts and asked, What then will this child become? For the Lord's hand was with him. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And here's the next thing. Here's how the transition goes. When you start opening up your, yourself to your heart to God, he's going to fill you with this Holy Spirit. And you're going to start operating in your spiritual gifts. It says he was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. He began to be used of God. He stopped being so self-focused on what people thought about him, and he started just saying, God, use me. Fill me. Use the giftings. Use me in my calling, God. I'll tell you what, there's nothing, no better feeling in this world than being used of God in your own calling. In your own calling. If you have breath, if you have a pulse, God has a purpose for your life. He wants to use you, and you'll, you'll move out of that Zechariah stage into this Elizabeth stage that we're describing here. Verse 68, blessed be the Lord. The God, this, is, this is Zechariah talking. He sounds like a different man. <laughs> he sounds like a different man. He says, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. And you know what Zechariah was doing there? He was getting away from the traditions of priesthood into just the focus on on God the Lord. Look at this. I'm going to read these words again. He said, blessed be the Lord. No longer about temple service and perfection and this. He said, God, you are my Lord. And your life changes when you start making God your Lord and not just your Savior. Have you ever heard this before? Let's make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Well, many people make God their Savior but won't let him be their Lord. And we need to go to the Lord and say, you're my Lord. You're my master. Wherever you go, I'll follow. Whatever you say, I'll do. Whatever expression on my face you want me to have, I will give it. You are my Lord. And Zechariah did that. So he made God his Lord instead of his religious traditions. Instead of his religious traditions. Verse 69, uh, Zechariah continues, he says, He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke through his holy prophets, those of ages past, um, salvation from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us. Listen to how Zechariah is talking about. He's talking about the Bible here. The scriptures are coming to life to him. He says, as he spoke to our holy prophets, he has raised up a horn of salvation for us. All of a sudden, the Bible is meaning something. Scripture's meaning. It's come to life to him. When he reads the scripture, it means something to him. Unless of just, instead of just going through the motions of 
quoting something, rehearsing, reciting something. He was reading it, and he was getting something out of it. You know that you're going from Zechariah to Elizabeth when you read your Bible, and it just comes alive for you. And you write notes down, and you can't wait for Wednesday night to share that scripture with somebody else. Or maybe you don't wait until Wednesday. You pick up the phone, and you call a friend and say, Look what I just read. God just showed me this. All right? Verse 32, he says, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. And here, Zechariah is experiencing God's mercy for the first time. No longer is God far off and distant and quiet. He's right there, close beside Zechariah, merciful, compassionate, loving, and it's meaning something to Zechariah. In verse 73, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to grant us deliverance from hostile hands that we may serve him without fear <laughs> in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives Zechariah was really beginning to experience fearlessness it is the best feeling in the world when you say I'm confronting this surgery but I'm doing it fearlessly I'm confronting this financial crisis but I have no fear I resist fear. I haven't heard from my son or daughter. I, I don't know what's going on with my family, but I'm a fearless person. I'm a fearless Christian. Why? Because I'm, I'm in relationship with Jesus. I have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. He was experiencing fearlessness. Verse 76, you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. Look at his language here. He believes God. This child hasn't grown up. This child hasn't done these things yet. But Zechariah believes the word of the Lord. It's going to happen because Jesus or because God said it's going to happen. He finally believed the Lord. He's moving from Zechariah to Elizabeth. And finally, in verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our, listen to these words, the tender mercy of our God, by which the dawn has vi will visit us, okay, tender mercies, he'll visit us and will shine on those who live in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into a path of peace. These are all words of relationship. Zechariah has stumbled on to relationship with God Almighty understanding God's compassion his tender mercies how God guides us how God shines on us how God gives us peace can a Zechariah Christian turn into an Elizabeth Christian absolutely absolutely study these scriptures this week and and move yourself move yourself begin to cooperate with God and say I just want to get close to Jesus I want to walk with Jesus I want to talk to Jesus I want to hear what, from Jesus. I don't care to perform for anybody. I don't care what people think about me anymore. I just care about what you think about me. And I trust that I trust the death of your son Jesus to keep me and to make me the person who you want me to be. Let's let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord God, for these examples in the Christmas story, the examples of Zechariah, the examples of Elizabeth and then next week the example of Mary which is even more wonderful Lord Jesus we want to walk in your mercy we want to walk in your love we want to walk in your acceptance the door is flung wide open 
for any man, woman, child, Lord, teenager, elderly person to walk through the door into relationship with their Lord and Savior, Jesus. Anyone, anyone, thank the Lord that to each one of us has been given a measure of faith. Lord, help us to place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord God. I don't want to be a, a Christian that's all caught up in what people think about me. I want to be saved from my disgrace, Lord Jesus, and I want to walk in your mercy, and I want to be full of joy, and I want to be full of peace, Lord God, and I want to experience answered prayers in my life. I want to give birth, so to speak, to the answered prayers, uh, to the promises that you've, that you've given to me, oh God. And I want that for every single one of us today. Heavenly Father, for anybody that can't hear my voice, Lord, that wants this relationship with Jesus, Lord, I pray right now for them that they would open wide the doors of their heart and walk into relationship with Jesus. Walk into that open door, the open arms of Jesus, the Son of God, who gave his life for us, who redeemed us from the empty way of life. Lord, help us to run to you run to your open arms and receive you as our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I want to give just a moment for anybody. You know how many times I've done this? I've done this millions of times. Probably exaggerating a little bit, but hundreds of times I've said, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I come to you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Can you do that right now? Can, can you commit your heart, your life to Jesus right now? say, I want to be at least an Elizabeth type of Christian, at least that level, at least, Lord.